Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so glad that you're here this morning. I know we have several visitors. We want to welcome you, and and we're thankful for your presence today. Uh, We're starting a new series in the book of Isaiah, that great Old Testament book, that great prophetic book, Isaiah. And so we're going to be spending several weeks um, in, in Isaiah, and this morning we're going to be in Isaiah 1. So if you have a Bible, you want to follow along turn to Isaiah chapter 1. Um, we do have something coming up after worship and that we're having a, a meeting uh, following worship to, uh, for care group leaders. And so this is a, a ministry that we're about to begin, an important ministry that I think will bless uh, this church. And me and Ron have been talking about this and praying about this for several weeks now. Uh, but we need leaders. We can't do it without leaders. And so if you're at all interested, please join us after worship. Before we get to Isaiah 1, I want to start out in Isaiah 49 and 6. So the theme for this series is this verse. And you may have heard some, some echoes there in the passage that Brian read for us this morning. Um, Jesus speaking in the Sermon on the Mount it is actually what we might say paraphrasing Isaiah. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. We are a church on mission. I know we've talked about that throughout this year, and we're going to continue this theme. But God has saved us so that we might bless others. We are to be a light to the people around us. We are to share the good news with the people who are in our lives. And so Isaiah is sometimes referred to as the fifth gospel. This is because this is a book that anticipates the coming of Christ. And Jesus is at the heart of the book of Isaiah, and we're going to see this over the coming weeks. And so Isaiah opens by addressing the greatest problem that the world faces. Everyone agrees that something is wrong, whether they're religious or not. But what is that something? What is wrong with the world? It is sin. Sin is what is wrong with the world. It's the greatest problem we face. Why is there racism? Because of sin. Why is there violence? Because of sin. Why is there corruption? Because of sin. You could go on and on and on. There is a, a spiritual issue at the core of all our problems. Until we address it, you know, everything else we do is going to just be a band-aid. Now, now we face a, a second problem in our culture. And so our greatest threat is sin, or our greatest problem is sin. But we live in a culture that believes everything is okay. We think everyone is fine. We, we don't believe anyone is lost. No one is wrong. We're all just different. You have your truth. I have mine. And this is problematic because if we live in a culture that, that doesn't believe in sin or does not acknowledge sin, then how are we going to address our sin problem? We cannot get any help until we acknowledge what is wrong. And the first step in dealing with sin is confessing, which we did earlier this morning, confessing that we are sinners. And this will never happen as long as we're just pretending that everything is okay. And so many are blind to what is going on, and Isaiah wants to help us open our eyes 
to, to see things as they truly are. And so the book opens with these words. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. And so the first thing that happens in Isaiah is that God speaks. And we have the word of God. It's in the pew in front of you in a black hardcover book. Some of you may have brought a a leather-bound edition this morning. For many of us, we carry it around everywhere we go because it's on our phones. So God has spoken. The question is, are we listening? And so the Bible is more readily available than it has ever been. But this does not necessarily mean that that people are reading it. You know, if, if you want a word from God... Then open up the scriptures, meditate on them, allow God's living and active word to to work in your life, encounter God through his revelation. And the first thing God wants us to know is that he speaks, but he then shares this message, children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. And so he gets right to the point, there's a sin problem. But notice here that God is not speaking to the world. He is speaking to his children. He's speaking to Israel. And so God does not say, you know, the problem with the world is the world. And too often, this is what the church does. We ignore our own sin to focus on the sins of the world. We condemn what others are doing while pretending that we're fine, we're okay. And God's not going to allow this. He knows better. And so we're not called to condemn the world. We are called to be a light to the world. And we need to deal with our own sinfulness so that we can go out and we can be a blessing to others. And God is deeply concerned about what's going on among his people. One of the most difficult things to do when reading a text is to determine tone. And sometimes it's just impossible. And we've probably all experienced this in our own lives. We've, we've misinterpreted a text message or an email um, because we couldn't figure out the tone of that message. You know, maybe someone was joking, but we thought they were being serious. Maybe someone was making a, a, a thoughtful suggestion, but we uh, took it as criticism or a complaint. Tone is important, and it's often hard to figure out in a, in a written text. But, but in this text, there's some clues that, that help us determine the tone. We, we know the tone of this text. First, God refers to Israel as his children. And so we know that there's a relationship that exists between God and his people, that they are bound to one another. They are his children, and he is their father. And we enjoy this same type of relationship with God today. God is not distant. God is near to each of us. And he cares about what happens in our lives. Often I think that he cares more than we do. He wants to see us succeed. Um, And when we mess up, when we make poor choices, it breaks his heart. And, And this part of Isaiah is about sin... 
But God's not sitting there wagging his finger. He's not scolding those who have done wrong. Instead, he's lamenting what is going on. The awe at the beginning of verse 4 is an expression of lament. And so what's going on here is that God is weeping for his children. God is brokenhearted. His spirit is crushed. You know, raising children is the most emotional thing a person can do. You know, you, you pour your time and energy into doing all you can to, to raise your children right. You, you sacrifice, uh, you, you provide them with whatever they need, you talk to them, you teach them lessons, you, you prepare them for the challenges of life, and then at some point you have to let them go. You have to uh, allow them to make their own decisions, their own choices. You can't do everything for them. And guess what? They're going to make some bad choices. They're going to mess up. They're going to do something wrong. They're going to get in trouble. And it breaks your heart as a parent to watch your children suffer. And this is the scenario in Isaiah chapter 1. This is what's going on here. Israel has made some poor choices. They've messed up. They've, they've sinned and they're now suffering the consequences. And, and here's God's description of Israel. He says, the whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. They're not even taking care of themselves. They're not well. Sin has made them sick. They're, they're suffering. And worst of all, they're not seeking help. And this is the point of verse 3 where he says, The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. And so he uses this image of an animal. When an animal is hungry, when an animal is sick, it knows enough to seek out its owner. It knows where to go to for help. Israel is sick. Israel is hurting. But they're not seeking the only one who can help them. They're not turning to God. God wants to help. He is heartbroken over their condition but, but Israel continues in their sinfulness. They're caught up in the desires that have led them to this condition in the first place. And what God is describing here in Isaiah is not something unique. It's not as if, uh, you know, Israel was just extra sinful or, you know, this was just a bad period for them. Things got better later. What, what God is describing here is the human condition. We go after things that hurt us rather than help us. We behave in ways that cause us harm. We get caught up in cycles of addiction. And sometimes we're blind to what is going on. We may know enough that, that life as it is is not what it should be. But we can't always identify those problems in our own lives. This is why we need to be in the Word of God. We, we need it to convict us. We need it to prick our hearts. We need it to wake us up out of the fog that we are in. 
And so sin is destructive, and until we realize this, we're without hope. Until we wake up to our sinfulness, you know, all the worship in the world will not matter. In fact, this is God's next point. He says, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. That, that last line there, it sums it up. This is the point. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. God's not asking us to be perfect. He, he knows that's an impossible task. He, he understands that we're going to make mistakes. But what he will not accept is us living in sinfulness while pretending everything is just okay. We cannot act however we want to Monday through Saturday and think, well, as long as I show up on Sunday, it's going to be all right. Israel was living in sin, but they never stopped attending worship. They kept on making all the sacrifices. But, but God wants them to know it doesn't work that way. Encountering God means that, that we change. Encountering God means that we change our view on sin. We might struggle or falter from time to time, but there's no mistake that we're fully committed to God. And God reminds them of this in verses 16 and 17. He says, wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. Once we enter into a relationship with God, we're to live differently. There is no life in sin. There is only life in God. And this is why we give ourselves to God and, and we leave sin behind. And giving ourselves to God means that we follow His ways. We're, we're to learn to do good. We seek justice. We correct oppression. We visit orphans and widows in their affliction. So being a Christian is as simple as following the instructions that, that God gives in these two verses. You know, wake up tomorrow and, and choose to do good. Just do that. Seek what is right. Help the people around you. Avoid evil. Well, as followers of God... We are to strive to do good at all times. But doing good will not solve our sin problem. We are sinful creatures and we cannot cleanse ourselves. And so after telling us to do good, God again reminds us of our condition. He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. This verse anticipates what is to come. 
This is the gospel according to Isaiah. We are sinners. Our our sins are like scarlet. They, They are red, like crimson. We cannot erase our sins. Only God can do that. And thankfully, he has a plan. And this plan is revealed in the pages of Isaiah. God is going to to send his son, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. And his son is going to take on flesh and he's going to dwell on this earth. And when the time is right, he's going to willingly lay down his life on that cross at Calvary. He will give up his life so that you and I can have eternal life. He will shed his blood so that we may become white as snow. And only the blood of Jesus can wash away our sins. And this is good news. This is gospel. And so we have a sin problem. But as long as we take it to Jesus, he's going to make everything okay. His blood is going to make us whole. Everyone sins, but what we do about our sins is up to us. We can ignore it, and we can let the problem grow worse and worse and worse. Or we can take our sins to the great physician and allow him to heal us of our iniquity. Jesus is the answer to sin. And from the very beginning, Isaiah is calling us to be a Christ-like people. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. This doesn't happen without Jesus. We go down into the waters of baptism a sinful person, but we come up a new creation. And the key to fixing our world and fixing our lives begins with acknowledging our sinfulness. We are sinners, and this is why we need a Redeemer. And so long before Jesus ever walked this earth, Isaiah is preparing everyone for his coming. We need Jesus. We need his sacrifice. We need his forgiveness. We need his example, and we need to be like him, a light to a lost and dying world. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning and we acknowledge that we are a people of unclean lips. And we pray for forgiveness. We confess our shortcomings. But Father, we're so thankful for your son who came to this earth to die on the cross on our behalf so that our sins might be forgiven so that we can be made whole and complete. But Father, help us not to forget our mission that now that we have encountered you and that our lives have been changed, we are to go out into this world and we are to bless others and we are to do good and we are to act justly. And Father, let us be a light to the people around us, the people in our lives. 
we pray that everyone around us is able to see Christ in us. And we pray this in his name. Amen.